Welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan. <clears throat> Before we get to today's episode, I have a couple things I want to say. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash eavesdrop. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So please uh, use that eavesdrop slash eavesdrop uh, tag and we'll get a little bit on the back end um, but having got that business out of the way uh, today's podcast is a conversation with a gentleman I've known since uh, hell since I was 12 years old I guess like seventh grade uh, Gabe K um, someone who frankly was too rough for me uh, as a kid and I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna lie about that like he he was a much more uh, uh, tough and um I don't know, maybe dangerous seeming person than, than a soft little Dylan, especially baby Dylan could handle growing up. And, uh, but I've known him and been in, you know, we've been in each other's lives peripherally, uh, uh, you know, through all that, all that time. And I, I, all I knew was that he'd had a much, much, much harder uh, experience with drugs and alcohol than, than I had, um, or at least that was my suspicion as he had his story started to go sideways much younger in life than, than mine had. And, um, you know, hearing his story here is a beautiful thing. And I, I really, I was so happy to get to sit down with Gabe and I was, he was the first person to like really reach out to me when I first started this podcast. And, uh, you know, he, he was coming to town to go, to uh which what i'm going to call a parole hearing but he's not a parole it was to get his his um record to get uh hardened i guess um and uh it just seemed like a, a perfect time to sit down and have a conversation about you know sobriety and getting getting sober and, and living uh in recovery and, and having a, a good life that comes you know in no small part due to recovery you know it was a perfect time to do it on the actual day hours just a few hours after his record was well I guess it's not expunged but he was pardoned for his misgivings as a as a youth as uh, someone who's much more square than I am today would would refer to it <laughs> but um yeah I I really really enjoyed this conversation and I can't wait to share it with you all so uh, please give a listen to Gabe K. Anyway, I'm, I'm here with Gabe and uh, we're going. We're we're, okay. We've been recording this whole time. We're good to go. Um, Gabe, welcome to the studio. I'm so <laughs> glad to sit down with you. <laughs> no shit. I was thinking about that. Um, you know, I was thinking about as I was kind of as, before I was coming here, I was like, because I feel like I mean, we've known each other for a while, like 20 or like 35 years. I almost. was going to say, I think we went to junior high together. We went to junior high together. And, this was, and I, was, I was wondering what, because for me, it's like, my disease pretty much started in seventh grade, right? I I'll take your word for it. I mean that I I was thinking along the same lines of like, God, how long have I known Gabe? And I I know we went to junior high together, right. but I don't have 
Well, I, junior high was terrible for me. Me too. I, just hated, I, I, it, I but... hated it. And probably for similar reasons, right? Like I. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I was new to Boise. Same, so... same here. So oh, we really. Yeah. Okay. So this is. So I grew up in um. My parents totally and you like no, my dad. Is, uh, sure. You know. Okay. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, my parents were um. Just were total like were total uh, dropouts from society, hippies who like were part of the back to the land movement okay. and, and um, bought a bunch of land in the mountains um, outside of Chalice. Like we lived 23 miles from Chalice. Okay. And I would, um, and at first I was really excited about it because like riding horses and stuff like that. But Where did you guys move from to Chalice? So um, we had a one year stint where my mom had run for a district attorney of um, Lincoln County in Shoshone where she grew up. Okay. Okay. And then, um, but before that, we'd been my folks had been in Moscow because she's going to law school and he okay. was going to um, he's going to architecture school. Oh, okay, right? okay. And so, um, is so, that where you were born up in northern Idaho? No, I was actually born in Jerome. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but my, you're my Idaho, mom, Idaho born and, and and raised. Right. Well, so my mom grew up in um, my mom grew up in in Shoshone because uh -huh. her dad was the county physician for there for like fifty years or uh -huh. whatever, and and um. He delivered me. Think about that. He delivered me from his own daughter. Which is, which Wait, your your grandfather delivered you? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, that's far out. Which every I uh, guess that's I guess that's just kind of old school, like right. serious. But, old but school. like every girlfriend I've ever had since then is just like ooh, <laughs> you know when they, they when they. And, I you're certainly the only person I've ever I'm aware of that's gone through that. So that's interesting. So anyway, so going back to so in Boise, so. Basically, my parents. I mean, I love them, but they were like really, really bad with money, right? And at one and at one point, they were subsequently <laughs> and like they moved to Chalice because there's this big mining boom there. Okay. And um and they bought a house and they bought this land at exactly the wrong time. Oh, okay. And then the mine like pulled out a year later. And so they and were so, just stuck. So they were stuck. So they're paying making house payments on three houses at the same time, right? And my mom was like, um, basically was working a full time job that paid her half time. Okay. And uh, my dad was a school teacher, and so. At one point, she had to take a job where she came to Boise. Uh -huh. So in the middle of school year of seventh grade, okay, I transferred. Um, she she took moved to Boise. We moved to a basement apartment in the North End, Ugh. and um, and we were like really really broke. So three house payments and rent now, right? Oh. And um, Jesus. And <laughs> and um, so it's the middle of seventh grade year. So it's like I didn't do like a. Year to year transfer. Okay, so you were in a similar. I'm, I moved here in middle of sixth grade, right. which was garbage, and so seventh grade was only a little bit better. No, I can't see. I I think seventh grade was worse. Well, right? sure, but and, I only knew like eleven people because they moved me into that little tiny elementary right. school, and then we all went to seventh grade. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know these people. But so, so you're right. It, middle of seventh grade is worse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. give you that. And for sure. you know, it's what 1984. It's like <laughs> the height of like everybody wearing Izod yes. shirts and. Oh. And, and and you know Norse was like that, right? Yes. And um Oh boy. And so I remember like there's this really iconic moment where my mom says is, is, um it was the year the Nike the Air Jordans came out, okay. right? And I said to her, I said, I have to have a pair of Air Jordans, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, There's no way I'm spending fifty dollars on a pair of tennis <laughs> shoes. And she took me to Payless Shoe Source. Yes. You remember that? Oh yeah. And she bought me some pro wings that were all these high top and she said I can't are... believe I believe this. She said, "You go to um, school, and none of your friends will be able to tell the difference. You just tell them the same as your <laughs> shorts." You can imagine what kind of social suicide that was. And 
And North was actually a really, really rich school then. Yeah, but, I think it still is. Yeah, I, but I think it was different then because the North End was a working class neighborhood. True. And then there was like the Highlands, yeah, the yeah, Mesa, that's true. That's and true. all the foot. Yeah. Everybody from there was going to yeah to and, North. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So, and, so did you? I mean, is that when like shit started to go sideways for you? I, I mean, remember feeling suicidal in seventh, seventh grade. grade. I mean, like I remember one. I just I was like, this is so painful and. And the first time I ever drank was actually the day that Christmas break started of seventh grade. Okay. So like, because I can't, I'd heard some friends talk about how like they'd been at a party at the lake and they drank some beers and they'd gotten a buzz, right? And I, um, how did you have a better social life than me, even still? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel like I knew anybody who was drinking or anything like that. I would, yeah, uh, well, I just, I, I, I don't know. I was like, I was, I was kind of like looking for it. Okay. And so I was like, you know, I really want to feel better. And that sounds like preferable to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> I remember coming home from school and I still remember, because so, remember how it was like there was He Man, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> Then the Thundercats after yes, like that was, I completely <laughs> do remember this. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm in this basement apartment where it's a one bedroom apartment that my mom has has set up these little um Got it. partitions so for me to have kind of a room right. in the living room. Well but there's your sister too, was she So my sister and my brother all stayed with my dad okay, back okay, in, because okay. he's a school teacher and okay. had to finish the school year. I see, I see. And so And they're um, younger. And my brother's older. My sister's younger. Sure. Well, I mean, I knew your sister was younger. I don't. Right. I don't think I've ever met your older brother. Hmm. Anyway. anyway, um, so I sit down and I um, and my mom had a bottle of Evan Williams bourbon on top of the refrigerator. And I was like, oh. okay. I'm like, well, if I drink about a beer and a half's worth, I'll uh, <laughs> like 12, 12 ounces plus. Is that yeah, what you're thinking? Yeah, that oh that should God. give me a buzz, right? <laughs> and it, you know, of course, it's like disgusting, right? Sure. So I like forced out this coffee mug full of. A bourbon, right? Oh my god! And I was like, "Well, I don't know if that's gonna work." And so I poured another half one, and then I do that. Oh. And the next memory I have is of me somehow or another. My aunt had come over to see me or to visit me or something, right? And I, somehow or another, I found myself in the back of my mom's car, and my mom, and my aunt, in the front seat. Right. And I just got puke all over. Yeah, my I was seat. gonna say you probably threw up, right? I was just like throw. I mean, and I've never. I have not felt so bad. I was like oh, the worst feeling of my life. I was I, like, I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm right there. And and I'm and I'm and I just and I've got tears running down my face, and I can hear myself saying, "I'll never drink again." I'm so sorry. I'm proud. <laughs> and then we uh, and we get to the um, we didn't go to the hospital. We went to like there's an emergency, a dock in the box at the Albertsons on 16th yeah, and State, yeah. right? Oh yeah. And so I know. <laughs> and I'm in there, and um, I I come out of there, and they're um. Why were they taking just because you? Had... I mean, I was I was like clearly I was gonna die. It was like alcohol oh, poisoning. poisoning. Oh poisoning. yeah, I guess because you were like 11 pounds, right? right? <laughs> You're 13 years old. You drank. <laughs> I wrestled in seventh grade in the 105 pound weight okay. class. So... Okay, jeez, Louise, and you had, you had just consumed like two full cup, two full mugs of whiskey. <laughs> whiskey yeah oh my god and so but here's the thing about like this is the thing about like that i think that shows me <laughs> like having this shows me that ha that like as having that genetic predisposition versus is i came out and i get to a point of where i'm just not puking so much and the doctor's like well this is a good lesson for him sure. you know he'll go home it's he's yeah. gonna he's gonna survive etc you don't need to we don't need to pump his stomach Ugh, and so i'm okay. walking out of the doctor's office and there's this wheelchair ramp and i'm as i'm walking down i'm hanging onto the rail sure. to keep from falling over <sighs> and i'm and i get to the point where i'm just not so nauseated right and i get to where it feels like to be really drunk yeah and i'm like fuck 
yeah, this, this is, is all, all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> As like, next time, I just have to do yeah. get to the point where to this point without all the other bad shit happening. Yeah. And I think that that's like a pretty good metaphor for my entire drinking career. I feel you. <laughs> you <know what's> <laughs> so you were 13, 12. 12. Okay, 12 years old. Yeah. And then like I, I, I feel like, I, okay, I'm building in my head driving out here thinking, okay, I've known Gabe since seventh grade at least. Right or well, at, at right. max, I guess, since you also just moved here at that time. But I don't have like clear memories of ever seeing you around school, right? But right. I know you were there. Did you make it through senior year with us? Or no, like, no, no, okay, no, no, that's no. what I thought, and and because no, it, I feel like you came around after I graduate after we'd graduated, and I was I was like in college, like my first year or so. You came and visited with us at the at the party house we held. Oh yeah, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but. What what did so like what was your junior high and high school experience like? So so basically, you know, I figured out pretty quickly that um, it was easier for me to get drugs than it was for me to get alcohol, at especially that age. at North Junior High. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And um, and that's why I was, and so for me, like within a year, like by eighth grade, I was getting high pretty much every day. Yeah. Okay. And um, <clears throat> and I, I'm sure that I knew this, and I'm sure I was just like, yeah, I'm not that because I, I was real clean at that point. Like right. it wasn't until sophomore. Even my sophomore year, I remember being like, "Well, you know, those people who get drunk and high all the time, like, that's not for me." I'm not right. Like, I, I always, I was surprised to see that because I always thought of you as kind because of, you hung out with like, right? Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, but th- by then, that's when I started smoking pot, right? Oh, okay. So before so, that, I was. But I, th- but I, I remember like, and I can't remember his name was like the third of, but like I remember you being in, um, in classes uh, with me, and and you guys had this kind of. Um, but this is high school. No, like, it was like junior high, like eighth, ninth, maybe into high school. Okay. Right? But having this kind of, um, you know, a little bit, because remember, this is the 80s, right? Sure. And and Boise mm. was, I mean, I still think Idaho's kind of bullshit, but like Boise was like seriously <laughs> politically <laughs> fucked up, right? It was like Nancy Reagan, yeah, Ronald yeah, yeah, yeah. Reagan. Well, but you're right. But I think if anything, I I thought I, I idolized the culture, right? Like I watched Cheech right. and Chong movies. I right. thought like, I, and my parents were, you know, my parents smoked pot around me when I was a kid, really? so I was comfortable around it. Like, but I, I hadn't begun indulging in any of that behavior yet, right? right. Like, I still was a nerd, for lack of a better word, right? Like, I was more into like watching football all day long on Sunday and like drinking right. soda until my head exploded. Right. That was, that was it in eighth grade. I was still pretty, right. And pretty so square. I, I guess it'd be, I, the, I think the I ended up, I ended up um, dropping acid the first time in eighth grade. I think I knew that. I think, I don't know. I think I heard about it and I was like, Oh my God, that's fucked up. Right. Like that you at, heard about me having, yes. Like maybe through the, through the grapevine or maybe right. later on in life, like you had said something or someone else was like, yeah, Gabe, first tried it in eighth grade and i was just like that's fucking bananas i, I remember like i remember that episode like clearly like just of like well, how would my, you get a hold of lsd this, at eighth grade this is so crazy okay is that um so do you remember uh i don't want to use their last name but you remember brooks and tara um their dad was like a game uh, like a game commissioner that lived on like 14th and oh uh, yes i do yeah right <laughs> sure so i was hanging out maybe getting high with brooks who's my friend and okay. um he's a little bit older though right yeah but i th- Okay, but, but like you know, like hang out. Okay. Like I would ride right back down. We'd go yeah. to Seven Eleven and play Indiana Jones or Temple yeah. Doom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, I completely remember the game. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
He was, um, so we were like, so at one point I was like, because at that, I don't think I ever actually had a connection where I could go directly to somebody's I house gotcha. and buy weed. When you're a little kid, yeah. You're until just I was like... like 17. So it was always like, you know, finding somebody else who could go get it. Right, right. And, um, but I was like, you know, kind of ego. And it's, I was like, yeah, I was like, we should go buy some pot. And he was like, yeah. And he said, well, my sister wants some. And his okay. older sister wanted some. Oh, okay, okay. And I said, well, get us some money um, and we'll, we'll go buy an eight. I'll go buy an eight. Right. So she gives us 20 bucks. And, um, I knew these kind of really like two or three years older, like right. really scurrilous uh, dudes. You know the guys who like always had girlfriends who were yeah. like in our grade, yes. who were like seventeen, yes. Yes. and they wore like <laughs> these shiny like like members only jackets and like tons of cologne. Always, I do. yes, right. And um, <laughs> so you knew you could go there and get okay. yeah. I mean, now I'm like I'm like what you know total like. You know, and of course they like have a mustache, they're growing the mustache, and <laughs> like just total kind of pedo action, right? Oh, Jesus, okay. But I mean, well, you know, at the time it wasn't like I got gotcha, you, but gotcha. like definitely a statutory rape charge. Somebody it's, who you probably wouldn't want to be around if you were like paying any attention to what they were, right? Exactly, yeah, okay. And so, um, and so I wonder when I saw, and I, um, and so I went around. I went to these guys, and I was like, um, "Hey, do you do you are we can get some weed?" Yeah. And they're like, "No," but I know uh, somebody's got some acid. Jesus. And so I went. And so I said, "I said sure." So I gave him twenty bucks, which got me four hits. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you know, and he brings me back these four hits of acid, and he says, um, "And I thought in my mind." I thought I could go back to Brooks's sister and we'd be like, hey. We got this instead. We got this instead. She'd be like, totally cool. Yeah. And she was just like, "You." she was like, I'm going to kick both your asses <laughs> and you owe me $20. <laughs> so, did, so did you do like. So, so and this is the thing is like. I was, this is I, making I, me very uncomfortable. Just the whole image of having four hits of acid at, at 14. And, oh, and, and I, of course, I'm left with the admonition. Like, <sighs> this is really strong. So you only want to do a half. Right. right, which is not at least at least they took that much precaution, right? right? <laughs> and um, but I, but I was in some sort of like because at this time I had started like I had a paper out and I wasn't giving the the money back to I was just like using the money to oh, spend. Okay. I was like I getting you. to all sorts of legal problems at this stage. Sure, and um, my, so, so I was in a constant state of being grounded for my parents. You okay. know what I'm saying? Okay, it's just like like nonstop, yeah. right? Yeah, and um, I uh, as and so my um. <laughs> So I'd, I really asked if I could spend the night at my friend's. And my mom was like, no, you're real. Yeah. yeah. And so what I did is um, I gave him one hit and I took the rest with me. Okay. And I and um, I said, we'll take it at the same time. Oh. And then we'll meet up for my paper out at 430 in the morning. Got it. Right? Yeah. And so at midnight that night. Oh, gosh. This is making me so uncomfortable. Keep going, please. I took, I took a half a hit. At midnight. At midnight. And then like 35 minutes later. I was like, this is bullshit. Oh, I got no. ripped off. And so I took another hit and a half. Oh, my. The rest of what I had God, with me. God, are you? F- okay, keep yeah, going. Yeah. And so just after I did that, I remember looking up and I had um, I had a poster of Jimmy Page on my oh. wall. And I remember like, yeah. and I remember like, and it's the one where he's like holding the sure. two neck guitar. Sure. And his face just melts off and turns into a skeleton. Sure. And I was like, oh, shit. 
Oh my god. And so then I proceeded to and you know, of course, like when you go to the the dare classes, what they always say about acid is you're gonna go on a trip for the rest of your life. Right. Right. So yeah, and in that moment it feels like time isn't moving. Yeah. And you're stuck forever. And I ended up meeting Brooks at like whatever, five thirty in the morning to do oh my paper my out, god. which usually took me an hour. Right. And it had to be done. By I think eight thirty on Sunday, or else okay. it was usually seven thirty. But Sunday they gave you till eight thirty, right. or else you'd get um, you know some demerit. Right. And it was like it took me an entire four hours, and I was still late getting my last. Oh my god! I can't believe that you. Ah. And and so then we proceeded to just like just hung out with him all day, and um, and I like I legitimately kept tripping for eighteen hours, I can right? That. I can and so that. after ten hours, you're like, oh man. This it's is never, it. It's never changing. <laughs> it's good. it's oh like, I'm... Oh, my God. And um, anyway. That's horrifying. I mean, because I've taken a lot of LSD, but I was a little bit older. Right. And even then, looking back, I'm like, I, I can't, I can't imagine... I can't imagine doing that at that age is all I can say. Right. Because then, okay, so you, I mean, I, you proceeded to have harder... You, 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 I mean, you followed kind of the path of like the, right. yeah. the like the dare things was always warning us <laughs> totally. about, right? Like, and you know, what's funny is that like, I've always been like, I, I've always been a pretty voracious reader, like my entire life. Okay. Right? Like, I mean, that was really my first, my first escape. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I have that. But of course I read the book, like Go Ask Alice. Okay. Then I was reading like. Was this you before know, the, the the two acid? No, right, right two, after two that, hits I, of I acid. That, I read that. <laughs> okay, and then I was like reading, um, you know, anything about drugs or drug sure. culture. I'd read, like I read all these like rock biographies. Okay. I like, was reading about Lou Reed, and I, and, um, and I really got into the Velvet Underground when I was like fourteen or fifteen, uh-huh. and I was like, the coolest shit is you know yeah. is doing hard drugs, right? Oh Jesus Christ! Yes, of course, <laughs> right? And um, you know, and then uh, I'm fortunate that. But so going back to the point about like how conservative Boise was, yeah. right? Like, especially at this time. Yeah. At this time, yeah. right? There was this sense of if you didn't come, and I think you probably relate to this really yeah. well. If you didn't, if you didn't go to Highlands Elementary <laughs> from the time, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Th- through sixth grade, and your parents weren't like super loaded. Yeah. And they didn't have a house in McCall, and they didn't have yeah. a boat, and they didn't have yeah, all. Those you other were things. in a different world. You were in a different world, right? Yeah. And it really was. I mean, it was like kind of. Sure. Total John Hughes film. It, it, it really was. You're right. You're really right. It really was. You're right. And um, so for me, I was like, I'm. Thank God there was like the, there was like the punk community. And, okay. You know what I'm saying? There was like this whole counterculture sure. community because yeah, that's funny because they scared me. But but it was right. But it, it but was, it was like, right there. But within Boise yeah. High, yeah, yeah, it was like it was slightly better. It was like way better than Capital because there was like this actual counterculture. True. That, no, that's that, true. That yeah. functioned and, and it was accessible in that yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. I just access, accessed it a little bit too much <laughs> and kind of was like, <laughs> and I've always had this really, really strong anti-authoritarian thing within me. I can see that. Sure. And there was this, um, and I was just like so outraged at how, at the, hypocrisy of my parents who'd been like you know who'd fought the war who'd fought for civil rights right. and all this shit and they were like you know now part of the establishment <laughs> and uh, you know and, that, and that's like a huge um that's like an initial like critique of punks with uh in the 70s against 
The, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So you well, you're railing against the same. Yeah. You're, you're you're grabbing onto that same outrage and like applying it to your life, right? Right. And and so for me, I was like, what can I do to be the most offensive? I, I, everything. And it's I like, got you. So did in, did you ever have like I think Mrs. Schultz in social studies for eighth grade? I think I did actually. Yeah. Right. And so I remember like I remember like they're giving like you know different world political systems and mm-hmm. everything like that. And I remember, like, they give the thing about, like, what it's like in the Soviet Union, because this is, like, you know, kind of the end of the right. Cold War. Sure. And all that shit is... And and I remember, like, she explains that, like, her big critique of the Soviet Union was that kids had to go to school six days a week, which I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of lame. Right. right. But then she said, well, you know, and a doctor makes the same as a dish digger, right? Right, like, right. There's all this kind of, like, you know, U.S. imperialist stuff in there. Sure. And I remember coming back to that, just to kind of piss her off, but I kind of believed it. I was like, you know, Ms. Phillips... I think I, I'm a communist, right? Like I, I've decided, studied this, and I think I'm a communist. You you, you said this in class, <laughs> in class after just learning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and like, and it, and the thing that was amazing about it is that like it did exactly what I wanted to. It's like just like I got sent to the principals or some shit. Like oh my that. goodness, that's very funny. And and I guess that so the point of all that is that. I went as deep into like the shit that could, you know, everything that they said that would be terrible that had to do with drugs. Yeah, you went, you went for it. I was like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. So, I'm okay. So we're recording this on the day of your your court. You describe it because I'm gonna say a year ago. So I ended up getting convicted of burglary and forgery when I was 19. When I was um, trying to uh, when I was getting money for drugs. Okay, and um, that was 30 or. 28 years ago. Okay. Almost 30 years ago. Okay. And um, I ended up going to prison for a um, little less than four years. Uh-huh. And when I got out, pretty much um, after a year, I pretty much I ended up getting sober uh, with a couple of relapses. So you didn't, so you, you got sober after you got out of jail. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, a prison recovery thing that. No. Okay. Okay. No, no. So what, so what, what, Okay, so what? what year uh, so are we so anyway, so so, but I ended up like having a really good life in recovery okay. as a result of that. Of, right. um, of largely hitting my bottom when I was twenty four, but um, with so a couple I, briefly, I got sober at thirty. So let's 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 go back real quick because I think yeah, I think I must have like the last time I was around you back in that period was had to be roughly right around then. Okay, right because you you had come. I got the impression you were back visiting, but I think you had because you had gone into a couple of rehabs before. Oh yeah, right? Tra- yeah, right? tons of, okay. Yeah. And and I had a party house right off of university at the time uh-huh. in like ninety one, ninety ninety one. Okay. And you came around like, and were just just hanging out with us, uh-huh. but you were you were clean, right? Like I, I remember, it was a stark like you were you were you were not drinking, you weren't using any drugs, and you were like, I don't know, you're being good, let's say, right. and. uh I don't know. Like I, I got, I got a vibe off you that you were just like, I am hard, right? Compared to the us, you were hard, and you were just kind of meandering around with us. I remember walking to the grocery store with you, and and okay, and I'm gonna bleep all these other people's names okay, out, sure. BT Dubs, okay. but uh, and just I just was like, oh, okay, you know, he, because I, I think that that's the like the most time I ever spent with you in any of that period, uh-huh. and then who knows, like within less than a year from then. Your sister came to the house and was flipping out because you were in the hospital. Okay. So 
was that because then in my head I was just like oh shit I don't know what's going on I remember my reaction was to just hide I was just like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about he's ODing I can't deal with that and I just kind of was like oh that sucks and I just disappeared right and I feel very bad about that I mean I don't know what she was expecting from us I know exactly the the incident because first of all so I went to basically through like juvenile delinquency yeah. and stuff. Well, I ended up having, I went to treatment, outpatient treatment the first time I was 15. Sure. And then I was in inpatient treatment the first time I was 16. And s- throughout the course of my career, I ended up going to inpatient seven times. Right. And that's what, that was, that was like, again, like I knew you through like the stories of you. Right. Yeah. And like, and so when, when your sister came around and she's like, he OD'd and all this. And I was just like, I don't, I didn't even realize he was still alive. was like that. My response right. was like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know how to deal with this. I was a, a child. Yes. Yeah, so, so I think of that time as I was, um, I'd actually. Cause like I said, I had just seen you and you had been clean. And then to hear that, that I was like, Oh shit, I don't know what to do with that. Like I didn't, I couldn't you, understand how that you worked. Know you know what I mean? What's crazy about that? You, you, I know exactly what she's talking about. Okay. Because I wasn't. I don't think I was in Boise when I. Just, I think you're right. I think you had been visiting and then you weren't here because she she said she had to go somewhere to see you. Yeah, because I um. Well, it was um. I mean, I'm just trying. And to the think specifics of, aren't, I mean, aren't there critical. There are many times I've been in the hospital. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> Louise. How, okay, so oh, that means okay. So you were using harder drugs by that point then yeah right? i started i started shooting uh cocaine and heroin um when i was 17 18 that kind of and then was like pretty much <sighs> like throughout i mean till i yeah so basically until you wound up in prison is basically it and then afterward you know oh, while really? in prison and stuff like that so you got arrested and sentenced to four years in in because prison, right? They so don't... I got I got arrested and sentenced to five years. Okay, and with a writer, right? Okay, and I just couldn't keep it. So I get busted for like getting high inside. Oh, I see. Or I'd get into a fight, or I get caught with drug paraphernalia or something. So I end up getting denied parole like three times. <laughs> ended up doing almost four years of it before I ended up. And it's crazy is that. Um, I just ended up doing a year. I ended up doing almost a year in max through a combination of like solitary confinement and stuff like that. And and I'm hypersensitive to that when people talk about that because it really, really does fuck with people. You're and sensitive to, to, to when what? people talk about like how solitary confinement, how damaging it is to people. Yeah. Um, like politically. So I care about that. What? So you wound up in solitary for about a year, better part of a year. Fuck. Okay. I did not. <laughs> And um, so, like, what's you know, um, so you know the Women's World Cup just happened, right? Uh-huh. And so you know Megan Rapinoe. Uh-huh. So her brother, um, her brother um, is like in a like pre-release facility right now. Oh. There's this article about him that I really recommend you read okay. um, on ESPN, okay. right? And basically, the first like 25 years of his life is like could have just been completely like, like snapshot from mine, oh, right? Okay. And then he's um and you know he subsequently like got out and then like relapsed a bunch of times and uh-huh. so it's been like so but if he'd kept using for another 10 or 15 years after that okay right so anyway to go back to your point yeah yeah so you 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 were in prison for for you were in jail for five four years right four years four and years. then and then i got out and i um basically um after a year of messing of screwing around and stuff like really trying but you know it's difficult and that's why i'm one of those people who is not i mean i believe in abstinence but i'm also one of those people who's not like a hardline kind of old school oh, I see. program person who's like you know yeah 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 i actually think that like people who like relapse a couple times that 
it might actually ultimately help their recovery in some way. Yeah, I, I feel you there. I, I kind of always just look at it. It takes what it takes, right? Like right. nobody's, there's no formula. If there was a formula, we'd all just, right. and, all and just the, dial and, into it. Right? And the things that like, you know, like the pro, the period where I was able to stay sober for four years before between a relapse, and I was able to get most, out of prison. No, at, when I got when I got yeah, right after I got out of prison. Okay. Um, and anyway, I was able to get most finished most of a, of a degree at BSU. Okay. I don't think of that as like the fact that I re, I don't think of that as wasted time. That wasn't sure. You know I what mean, I'm saying? Like like, degree, like yeah. my life pretty much substantial. <laughs> I had a pretty a significant psychic change about. Uh, you know what I wanted to be, what I wanted my life to be. So about. okay, so you got out of prison, and and you, so you were clean for. Now, pretty much, I pretty much like the you day immediately I, started partying or whatever. You yeah. got high as soon as you could. Yeah, I mean, I tried for like a week or two not to, but okay. but I moved in with a meth dealer as a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so you like, weren't able to stay clean? Right. <laughs> so, okay, so you're out again for a, how long before you... About a year before I finally, I go back, went back to treatment again. Okay. Uh, fought and fought. Because I can't imagine you're having an awesome life at that point anyway. I mean, you Terrible just got out of life. prison. Like, no, it's like homeless. No one's going to hire homeless, you. Homeless, living on the streets in San Francisco, working... At that time, I'm working at the trailer factory. Was the okay? So the 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 jail. This was in Idaho, in mm-hmm. Boise, where you were in in jail and in prison. Yeah, correct. Okay, but because basically what would happen is I would um, there, there weren't. I don't know, I'm sure it's changed now, but there weren't really good drugs in Idaho and, and like the kind of drugs <laughs> I'm I went. Certain that that's changed by now. It's one of the the downsides of it getting better here, <laughs> right? <laughs> but so like, sure, I, I got you. So you so, went down. Uh, south. So I would always go to San Francisco okay. every time I'd get a bunch of money and I'd go like basically hang out on on Hate Street or in the Mission and just okay. like stay loaded until I ran out of money and then I get my parents to send me a bus ticket oh, and I'd come home and you know. Oh man, yeah, I'm sure you've. You've worked all this out with them, but I, I mean, that, that sounds like hell. It was them, pretty, right? it was, it was hell for them. And yeah. I, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, okay. So you're, cause you're, okay. So why did you have to go to court today? I, I mean, so, so basically, so, so I had, it was like I said, my life pretty much changed, right? Yeah. I went to college, got a degree in, in communications, had a professional, professional career. After the, like a year of partying or yeah, whatever, yeah. then you got, okay. Yeah. And then like really did the deal. Okay. And then, um, and ended up moving away, moving to California, and working professionally for uh, for a labor union, and okay. had um, and had a career that was really based on like the people I worked with. None of them knew this shit about me, right? Oh, okay, okay. It was like, like they would know that I was like that I didn't drink, and that if they asked me why, it was like generally because I'm sober, right? Right, right. And but like I went to. Most of my colleagues like went to Ivy League schools and. Um, do you do you mind saying what what the field is or you, uh, what's that? Uh, what 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 field are you are you are you in? Oh, so I so now I'm, I do communications, but okay. I, I've always but I pretty much worked in uh, organized labor for most of my. Okay. Oh, most, okay, okay, okay. Right. So I so as a union organizer, right? Okay. But like, so I would be because in this time of my late twenties, early thirties, and most of the young people your age who go to, to work in that field yeah. with you uh-huh. are people who like before they go to law school they oh, they graduated from Yale and they're like I'm gonna go do my social justice work and go organize <laughs> hospital workers or go organize janitors and okay, stuff like that okay. right before they go on to have like a <laughs> get on the other side of that picket line right <laughs> okay, okay and um <laughs> and, and so um but, but I've also had like a ton of shame about this part of my life, right? Because it, because during like, during this period of of your life, you have shame and, about and your history. Almost up until the day, right? Because it's like one of those things where even though, so I'm pretty committed anti-racist. Pretty, I'm try to say that I'm a. Um, 
try to say that I'm a, uh, I work at being a good feminist. I do. I feel you. I feel uh, you. It's, uh, it's hard being a middle-class middle-aged white man to, right. to, to adopt or to, it's, it's tough to know exactly how to behave. And if I are trying to be woke, let's say woke, but I consider that like a real, that's the thing that, that separated me that allowed me to get sober is this notion that like, listen, there isn't just, I've had a bunch of shit happen in my life, but there's injustice in this world. Uh-huh. And, um, there are people who have it a hell of a lot worse than me, and my life should be about trying to have more fairness and like being of service to other people. Okay, right, and okay. like in my career, I feel you. And so, yeah. the, and that's and that's I'm assuming part of what inspired you to go into that field. That, in the first that's place. that's why I did okay. that. And but there's always this, but there's also been this thing where um, it's like if you say to somebody, my you know, if you say to somebody, oh, I'm a convicted felon, it's like that becomes who you are. For sure, no, I can, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. That you wouldn't want to be advertising that by any stretch, right? Even, even if you knew they might not immediately change or become prejudiced against you, you're not going to offer that. But it's that. like a really heavy thing. Well, yeah. I mean, how many? People, I mean, how many people do you know, like right. in your professional, who would? Right. No, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You, you, you would immediately be turned in their minds. Right. Yeah. And it's like so for me to transcend from being pretty much homeless and like, you know, like my job opportunity, my career opportunities are working construction. And I'm working like good construction jobs, working up up um, on on um, out on Gowan Field uh-huh. on, at the one of the trailer factories. And I've sure. worked at several of those up there. Okay. Right. That and then to be like a middle class person, it's just like I see. It, what you're it's a pretty radical. Okay. Okay. Thing because you did do that. You did go work construction for. Yeah. That's all. That's all, until I. Um, I mean, I've until I was twenty eight. Okay. I, I, every job I ever had was kind of in construction or manufacturing. Well, sure, because that's like traditionally what people in your situation wind up doing, right? They get right. out of prison, and those are the kind of jobs where people they don't check your background so tightly, right? right? Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. And so. Um, Anyway, um, I've always, but I've also wanted to, I also have a pretty, um, I think, pretty strong critique of the criminal justice system. Sure. And um, the prison <laughs> industrial contract. <laughs> sure. It's, and, it's legit, too. So. And, um, you know, one of my. Um, <laughs> Legitimately earned, I guess is what I mean. <laughs> right. And, and, but part of that is, um, and part of that is that, like, I found myself not being able to. So as I advocate for, like, you know, against the incarceration of brown people, okay. um, I've found myself, people put me in a category of like, oh, here's a good liberal white mm. guy okay. who's like kind of a, you know, who's a bit of a do-gooder, right? <laughs> and and it's like, I feel like I could be more useful if I could actually talk about that from my experience. Okay. And, I, and, and I've never felt the way to kind of bridge those two things. So is this in your past or are you talking like right now today? Last 15 years. Okay. I'd say for the okay. last 15 years. Okay. I've always kind of felt uh, some conflict around that. And my wife, and I, you know, five years ago I get, got married to okay. this like amazing woman. Okay. And she has, and she's a true, like just a true fighter for justice. Sure. And she's always said, you know, I wish you would tell more people about your story sure because it could really be helpful to people sure I and mean, i was gonna ask have you ever gone on speaking like been speaking engagements or even you know whatever this is conventions this is, my this, first, is, this is part for, of that right this is your first time yeah oh far out keep going <laughs> <laughs> and so um so one of the things that um so when i went to um 
So I've always said like, well, you know, in Idaho, they actually have a pretty good structure around allowing people to get pardons. Because Going back to the legacy of it's a pretty big gun state and they want people to have, sure. have their guns back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, well, um, let me actually do this process to apply for a pardon. Okay. And uh, I think I'm a pretty good candidate. And if I, because I would feel a lot more comfortable talking about it if people, if I were able to say, I'm a convicted felon, but I was actually given a full pardon. I see. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I see. So, and so that was the hearing today. That was, and when did you start that process? I mean, I started gathering the letter because it's pretty extensive to do sure, it. I'm sure. So I get, started gathering letters about a year ago, okay. and then I submitted my packet like in January of this year. Okay. And I got told I was going to have a hearing uh, two months ago, which is why I scheduled this trip out here. Got it. And, and so, and it went positively. So today I went in there. Yeah. And it was um, re- just mostly amazing. Um, <laughs> in the, mostly, huh? No, it was, just, it was totally amazing. Okay. Part of me that's kind of like, well, yeah, everybody here voted unanimously to give me a pardon, right? They voted. That's great. Right? So, what, but, I, but well, describe time, this. I have no visual. I have no concept of what this is. So, is it like, like I had to go to, pri- I had to go to the prison? Okay, I had to go to the prison. They like buzz me in. I can only bring my ID in there. And my whole family comes in there with me. And a friend of mine who drove down from Portland just okay. because he wanted to be a, a part of it. Okay. And um, I, go, I, I bring my ID in there. I sit through and I go. Was through. this the prison that you were actually detained in? So, you know, south of Boise, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whole prison complex. Sure. This is actually the – they held a hearing in the women's part okay. of, of it. But, okay. you know, just because it's where they have the hearing. Okay. And I, we sat in the room. And today was the day – where it was just people who were ha- pretty much just people who were having pardon hearings. Okay. So it was like, so, so there's the, a lot. The like, judge is actually out there. It's not even a judge. It's the whole parole commission. Okay. Right. I have no so I go in there of any of this. There's about a dozen people in there sitting around a room, and I went in there. I sat at a desk. I like, guess I'm lying. What I'm picturing is Shawshank Redemption, but keep going where okay. he's going for the parole. But go, go ahead. Yeah. but So it's the same thing, yeah. right? Generally, and that was the kind of part where I'm mostly – generally, they're sitting there denying people parole, got right? It, like, the, like that's the most of their job. But yeah. once every quarter, they have these part, they have a day of pardon hearings. Interesting. And so, the people are, so I went in there. They had a desk set up, and they had a place for my family and friends to – to his, witness to or, witness okay. and then they asked if anyone I could have one person speak on my behalf and so okay. my wife got him just you know nailed it okay. and um, um, oh man <laughs> I had to give her a little bit of a hard time right because <laughs> she talks so uh, I he doesn't talk, clean up the dishes when I no, okay, no I should talk about this because like because like this is one of those things about like you talk about fun and sobriety the theme of this sure. is like I and I can't even believe how amazing my life has been, right? Sure. In that um, my wife was, um, so I met Cecilia when I moved to New York City and um, we met on OkCupid, right? You, you met your wife in, in New York, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, okay. And we met on OkCupid. <laughs> For real? You married someone you met on OkCupid? That's yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was like, but I think in like 10 years, uh-huh. like you won't find like pretty much any married couples who haven't met. I know. I, I, yeah, meeting online isn't peculiar to me. It's just OkCupid is just such a wasteland. It, and it was such a, you know, it was so much in that moment of seven years ago. Like, yeah, that you're was, right. That was the first time I ever got on there. And you're right. It was, it was, it was dynamite. So right. I, I take it back. It was a lot <laughs> that I was on there recently and I was like, man, this is. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, um, so when we when we met, she just actually finished her PhD in um, cultural studies okay. um, uh, from the University of Minnesota. And rather than take that work of trying to be one of three hundred applicants for one tenure track job, oh, yeah, she was yeah. like, 
I'm going to go make a movie um, and so I can make myself more marketable, right? right. Because she, cause she, her PhD was in cultural studies with an emphasis on film. Sure. Like, and so she made this documentary. So when I met her, she was starting this process. She did her okay. first Kickstarter campaign. Okay. And in the process of doing it, she just – and she happened to be on food stamps, right? Okay. And so – so she says. So she says uh, to because, the parole board, or, yeah. or whatever you call the board. Yeah, I, but you know that's like kind of this like you know making it in New York. It's like yeah, you know she's cleaning, she's hustling, right? She's okay. cleaning houses, trying to like raise money to like sure. to fund shooting Remember, a film, yeah, yeah. and and she applied for food stamps to pay for like you know. Get, yeah. And she says to the parole board, she says, "Well, I met Gabe. Oh. <laughs> I was on food stamps." <laughs> I was like, "No, they hate that shit here." <laughs> You know, yeah, I, the Latina who's talking about she's, how she's on food stamps and like the, the white. This anyway. is the one person you stood up to have stand up for exactly. you. Oh my god! But then she talked about how sure. you know, from that point, she's gone on to make you know that that first film you know premiered. She's, Tri- she's won awards, right? Yeah, that yeah. premiered at Tribeca. Okay. She's like got grants from Sundance and played on public television on POV. Sure, and like. Her next film is, has already been bought by public television for next year. <laughs> These are all things that she then brought up to the board after the fact. Exactly. I'm an established person right. in my field. And she's um, she actually just, she had a tenure track job at Skidmore College, it was a very good college, yeah. which she just left uh, because she's she got recruited to go work for Williams College, which is like the best liberal okay. arts college in the country. So she, so she looks great, and <laughs> yeah. So so they everybody on the board. Oh yeah, they were just the like up. you know it, like it's one of the things where. Everyone in my family is crying. I'm right? sure. Sure. I'm crying. People in the the commissioner, the stone faced commissioner, you know the guys who are like probably all day long like denied, 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 right? They're crying. Really? Yeah. That's very that's sweet. That's sweet. And then that's fantastic. I mean that I don't even have words, man. I mean you're you're glowing and you're like so what are you gonna do now? Like you just said this is your first foray into talking about right. yourself. So, so one of the things I was, because, you know, I mean, I think social media, you know, in my current job right now, I'm actually the digital communications director for the um, for the New York State Nurses Association, large okay. labor union in New York, uh, okay. represent 45,000 nurses. Really, it's a big time job, right? Okay, sure. It's the kind of job that, like, <laughs> other people like me don't get, right? <laughs> now, I should ask, I mean, we're on live, but are you going to, do you, do you have any reservations about like this going out? No. Okay. No. Okay. And, yeah. and so in, and that's part of what, what I was saying. And okay. so in that job, um, I do, I, I mean, so pretty much all my world is 70% of my world is social media, right? Like I write, okay. I, I'm a writer. Okay. So I write for, um, so I write all the, all the Facebook, all the Twitter, on Instagram for the and, organization for the organization. Okay. And I write the weekly newsletter okay. and all of that stuff um, okay. pretty much. Um, and so for a person who is, who knows more about social media than like, I mean, you have to, you have to go to like learn the oh, algorithm I gotcha. and, I gotcha. and all that. I'm super critical of social media and I, sure. and I feel like the relationships that exist in social media are, I mean, are they really real relationships? Yeah, yeah, they're facile, right? Exactly. Yeah, I feel you. And so, but part of what I wanted to do, but I, is I felt like the best way for me to come out on social media about okay. this would be to have this podcast and say, so this thing happened. Okay. And then put that, you know, and I feel like that would be, be a good way for me to exp- to have the context to explain this. I'm 
down. I mean, I, I, my only concern was if, if you're concerned, right? I mean, right. If, if you're concerned about repercussions or negativity from your job, that's my only really right. question to bring, reason to bring it up. So that was always my concern about like the repercussions of my job. So that's right. why getting the pardon was so important for me. Sure. Right. Because now I feel like who's going to be like, how much of an asshole are you going to look like if you're like, well, yeah, he's this, yeah, this guy you. who like. Well, and how does that even work? A pardon? Does it purge the record, or does it just have a a bookend on it? It, like, it basically has a stamp at the end that says pardoned. Okay, you know, so it's okay. a, so it still shows up in my Chrome, but it says fully pardoned. Okay, right. So like, so I can get my my gun. I can carry guns again, sure. stuff like that. Sure, yeah. I'm sure you've been dying for that. I'm just dying. <laughs> <laughs> More than you think. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do. Uh, I I actually own a farm upstate. Oh, so, you do in upstate New York. Okay. So so I live on thirty acres. Oh, there okay. are coyotes. I've got chickens and. Oh, I, have, I thought you were living in the city. I thought you were in uh, like a, a New York City person. After my wife got the job in in Skidmore, uh-huh. and this is like four years ago, we bought. Um, so the capital of, of New York is not um, New York City. Sure. I didn't look into that. <laughs> it's actually Albany. I do know this. Yes. And so um, I live about 30 miles from Albany. Okay. Right. So, so there's a pretty, for the State Nurses Association, there's a pretty significant need. To, we have an office in Albany because okay. we have to deal with, you know, it's legislation and stuff like that. So That makes sense. Yeah. And so we have our headquarters are in New York, but then it's easy for me to work in Albany. You and so it. my wife took a job in upstate New York at a okay. college, which is why I transferred up But there. so you're on a farm, uh, ergo, it's probably convenient to have a gun out there of some kind, right? Right. And, you know, I have a ton of deer and wild turkeys that walk through. But, and, I, and I do have a little no, bit. No, your history would not suggest you spent a lot of time hunting when you were a teenager. No, but like is, prior to, like the whole time I lived in Chalice up to, you know, it was oh, like. Oh, when you were a kid. When I was a kid, oh. I was just like, I really. You, you leaned into that. I, I leaned into that. And I, I mean, and I'm happiest when I'm in the mountains. Sure. Most of the time. Sure. And so that's or when I'm, when sure. I'm outside. Yeah, nature boy. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I wanted to. Um, yeah, I got you. I, I, think, so I feel a, like I you you made that argument on social media sometime in the last year where I hadn't even thought of that aspect of the gun rights this right. debate like and and I didn't realize it was coming from such a personal space for you but the the aspect of the 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 I don't even remember what it was now but to the, the fact that felons can't own guns right? right and so changing the laws well I've always felt that if there's going to be ration, like a rational position on guns in this country uh-huh. right because the one thing the NRA despite all of their nonsense uh-huh. has been able to do pretty effectively is they have created this narrative, this like kind of urban rural okay. narrative, yeah. right? That any sort of reasonable modification on gun rights is an attack on on being able to have um, being able to walk around out in the country. It's right. it's an attack on that entire rural way of life, right? Right. And I think it's really, I would say it's largely a latent white supremacist organization. I mean, like like it pretty no, much. I feel you. And um and I feel that that's kind of what that whole thing trades upon right and okay. and if there's going to be sensible gun policy i think it's going to come from a red state politician <laughs> who ultimately says and it's going to be attached to a bill that the lead of the 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 heading of the bill is the guarantee of the right to um hunt or the president oh i see you know that within that that um, you know, this is our heritage, being able right. to hunt and provide for ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, uh, you know, so that 
And on the back end of that is, but you have to actually have some competency to be able to operate yeah, a gun. Yeah, I, I feel like that seems like a very reasonable, like the, the competency and like some kind of, I don't, I don't know. And like if you, a, like if a, like, you require like a legitimate people, license that you have to go right. through some sort of training yeah, and, and, and just verify. by doing that, and just by doing that is you would ultimately reduce a massive amount of people like going in guns. Yeah. If, if people just had to, had to like go do something for that, <laughs> you would. Because yeah. the people who, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And on the gun and on the like, you know, the gun control, I feel like this. I feel like there's a great deal of like kind of dishonesty about that. Sure. About like, well, we have eighteen thousand gun deaths every year, et cetera. Yeah. How many? Let's talk about like how many of those are actually police shooting sure, yeah. people, it, and it, and and eight thousand of them are suicides. It seems suspicious to me that the statistics on it are <coughs> difficult to track. Right. Like the right. simplest thing would be to like let's just lay out all the facts and just let the facts speak right. for themselves. And, and, and the fact that they obscure that feels ingenuous uh, disingenuous right and whatever I, the proper and, word is and, and 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 here's and it's like i kind of want like almost gun control people to say okay here's the reality there are 300 million guns in america because there are 300 million guns in america if we were to reduce that number by half yeah right and and how do you have that without saying we're coming to take your guns but like yeah. if we were to reduce that number by half it's pretty reasonable to expect we would save thousands of lives yeah, every I agree. year. I agree. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> funny. I, I didn't expect that to be your argument, but no, I mean that's that's or I mean your position that you're you are excited to go get your gun your gun back at, at this point. Well, I'm, and then I'm, I'm also kind of you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm a little bit well, I'm as like lefty as they come. Sure, I, I but you have, you grew up in a rural, rural and I, I do have a little bit of that kind of like John Brown gun club <laughs> <laughs> center. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like sure, <laughs> uh, but I I feel like that's a ra a reasonable thing. Hey, but here. Okay, I want to. I, I just realized as we're talking, I wanted to ask this question earlier. Yeah. So, okay, so you get and out I of want prison. To ask your question. Oh shit. Okay, <laughs> but okay, you get out of prison, and mm -hmm. you, you. I'm assuming you quit living with the meth dealer at some point, okay. and that's when you started to try and get get clean. And and you, at some point, it sticks, right? You, right. you bounce in and out. Uh, uh, of did you keep going back to treatment at that point, or were you treatment all just meetings, just meetings, like and, and like just I, I, I ended up going to treatment. Um, I ended up going to treatment in Nampa and then like getting out and like really wanting to do it. Uh -huh. And it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, just to talk about, I, I kind of want to talk about like how significant, okay, I talked about this with folks this morning, about how seriously addicted I was in uh -huh. that like I showed it to my parole officer's um, office one day and I'd been out for about a year uh -huh. and I, I, and I couldn't, and uh, I've been putting off meeting with him for, Okay. A while because I knew I wasn't going to be able to go and give a clean piss test. I knew okay. that because I'd put it off, he was definitely going to make me. <laughs> sure. And I, and so I, it was just compounding. I just couldn't keep it together yeah. to like not do a meth for three days, right? Oh, God. Okay. And finally, I was just like, there's no putting it off. And I show up and I'm like, hi, like in his office, right? Oh, my and God. I show up and I was just like, my only solution is I have to go and I'm going to come clean. I was like, right. so, he, so he says, how are you doing? I was like, I'm struggling. I've relapsed, et cetera. He says, well, what do you want to do about it? And I said, well, I want to go to treatment. And I've already, and, you know, sure. I've already called sure. detox or whatever. So I went to detox. And is this the one that stuck? No, no okay. but it was pretty, but it was, but so I, I go to detox and they had a policy that you, the treatment center wouldn't take you until you'd been detoxed. Oh, sure. And then you had to, um, but then they didn't have space for me. So after I got out of detox after three days, uh -huh. They said you're gonna come back in five days. You're, you're gonna to come to treatment in five days. Right. And so, like, I relapsed. 
yeah, four or like five a, hours. I was going to say like almost immediately, right? Of getting out of detox. And I was like, oh. And then I was just like, there's no way I'm going to be able to right. accomplish it. So I remember like huh. getting loaded the on my way, the morning on my way to treatment, the boy supposed to check into treatment center. I was just like, right. I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to lie and say that I've been clean the whole time. There's right. no way I'm going to be able to do that. And so I ended up going through all the way through treatment and um, – <laughs> And and um, because the only way I could I could manage like a, it like an inpatient like an inpatient so like I showed up at the three, inpatient three four weeks kind of thing yeah and I showed up at this inpatient thing and they expected you to like be clean for a certain number of days okay and I haven't slept in four days okay and I'm like and I have to show up to group that for, I remember having to show up that to group that first day like totally accurate. so you're an insane person basically <laughs> yes. is what you're saying but then when you got out did it is that one that stuck I, I mean like it's pretty much but then like I I mean I really, it was like one of those things where I, like I wanted to want to you know yeah, I feel you so I so you bounced around for a bit but like when, when it stuck like I just yeah when it stuck when, it's, I, when I, it stuck it stuck but w- w- the question I'm trying to get to is at some point in there you, you had a feeling of spirituality right like you, you're yeah. a grounded person I can I can sense that you have uh, your own your own sense of spirituality right now like totally how do you how do like when you look back on that when it when it stuck stuck and you were just like oh shit I feel this like whatever the change is I feel it. How do you feel about like your feeling on spirituality at that point in your life compared to how you are today? Because it's how many how many years has it been then? So I've been sober since um, February sixth of two thousand two. Okay, so it's over seven, like seventeen and a half years. Seventeen and a half years. So that's a good chunk of time. So like, how do you feel about like Gabe's spirituality in two thousand and two versus today, or or in comparison to today? I feel like. Um, <laughs> I feel like like what was it then? I guess I feel like it was much more intense then in two thousand two than it is now. Okay, how so? I mean, I felt like I like I just lived and breathed it every second. Like I, it was like it was basically like I'm running from the devil at all, you know. Every but okay, but but what what is your sense of spirituality then? I mean, so so what I'm saying is the longer I've stayed clean and sober, uh-huh. the less confused I've the the less I feel like I know about it. You know, the less you know about what spirituality and stuff like that. Interesting. I mean, so you felt like you were very spiritual out of the gate, and that's just kind of. I felt like or? I was very doctrinaire out of the gate. Mm, you know, you know what okay. I'm saying. So what's your what's your sense of a higher power? Like, so, just put it there. So my sense of a higher power. Um, so there's a, or whatever you're comfortable with. Okay, no, I, I'll talk about. It. So there's a because uh, I have always even I've always struggled. I've, I mean, I would say that I've I have. Strong. I've always had strong agnosticism, leaning towards atheism my whole life. Sure. And I and I'm certainly like politically always aligned with those people. Sure. Right. Like I'm always. Yeah. Like, I, I can. I relate. Yeah. And, but through. So there's a section in um in some in one of the twelve step there's a there's a sentence in one of the twelve step books that says um, make it clear to the new man that um. It's not he that he doesn't have to share your your right. conception of a higher power. Right. The important thing is that he's willing to believe and they live by spiritual principles. And that was what and you that's grabbed it. That's still today, right? It's like I'm willing to believe and I live by spiritual principles. Okay. And so the way I was able to get around that stuff was I was like, okay, let me 
let me write down what are some spiritual principles. Okay. Maybe I help the maybe I help somebody cross the grocery or like hold the door for like. Sure, I got it. <laughs> Just being make, being a nice person. Yeah, like being a nice person. Stealing probably not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no more stealing. <laughs> right. So, and so I was like, okay, all I have to do is be willing and live by these things. Okay. Right? So when you say you were more on fire, then it was because you were like holding on for dear life, and, you're and, like, and I'm going to do all these things that are the opposite of what I've been doing for a while. And I was like, you know, and I'm going to pray like you know ten times a day, and I'm oh, going to Jesus, you know, okay. And I'm going to go to like all these meetings okay, and, I'm, you I know, see. and, um, and I'm going to believe that like, it's only the stuff that's in the, you know, in the text gotcha. is the only thing that matters. And, oh, and, really? Yeah. Okay. You know, like really a fundamentalist. I feel you. And, and okay. what's great about this is I had a, I had a sponsor one time who had me like do, um, who for an 11 step assignment actually had me go ask people who were spiritual, uh-huh. um, people who I respected, like what their conception of a higher power was. Right. And um, I have a really fantastic friend in San Francisco, this guy, Sal, um, who had gone to, um, he'd gone to seminary uh-huh. um, and like truly, um, he'd gone to BTU in Berkeley, studied and had a master's in theology, right? Okay. And um, still, and teaches religion and human sexuality at Catholic school in San Francisco this okay. day, right? It's okay. like, and he said to me, there are two things he said. He said, you know, Jesus actually talks about about um, some, and I don't know, he, but he said he talks about, oh, let those, this certain, this one sect of people who are like really doctrinaire, right. let them believe that way because they're limited and it's the only way they can believe, right? Yeah. Like, okay. like, like basically, to ha- and he said for him, the, um, he was working doing home care. He has a story he told me that it's pretty amazing. And he was working, living in the Bronx, mm-hmm. and he was working doing home care. And there were these two um, Holocaust survivors who he took care of, mm-hmm. right? And the one of them thought it, his name was Sal, which is like a total Italian. But, but he thought his <laughs> name was Saul. It's like, oh, nice Jewish. But so he let him believe, that, you know. <laughs> and um, he was taking care of this is like super sweet. Sure. Couple, okay. Right? And one day, the guy was like really losing it, and he, because he'd seen a Holocaust denier on TV, like um, on the news or something like that, okay. saying like it didn't ever happen and stuff like yeah. that. And he's like just lost. He's like crying. He's like, how can they not, yeah. not know that happened and everything right. like that? And he said he left there and he walks from the Bronx down to um, down to like the Lower East Side in minute, which is, if you've been to New York, it's a, sure. long, it's a long walk. It's a long walk. Yeah. And the whole time down there, he's cursing God and he's saying, I don't know if I believe you, but if I do, I don't even know if I like you. Right. right. And he said, and for me, he said, and he said, and that relationship with God, he said, I think is the one he wants me to have with him is that one. Okay. Where he's okay. okay. Where it's just basically like you, where he's, he feels like he has a discursive relationship with him. Sure. And, and, um, and that's always kind of stuck with me in the sense of like, okay, I'm never going to be a person who's like fundamentally like, I got it. You know, of course. Sure. It, I mean, do, do you pray today on a regular basis? Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> I find it very difficult to believe that <laughs> your tone would suggest that you pray somewhat irregularly. That's probably true. I did today. I definitely. Did. I'm sure that you did today. I definitely I'm did sure today. That you did today. That's good. That's good. But I would say that um, you know, other than like you know, I get, I walk, I roll out of bed. I'm like, you know, help me. But that's kind of the extent of it. Okay. okay. Um, but I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> but but also I, I also have a real 
I still find it skeptical. I'm very skeptical of the notion that there is some intelligence out there. I hundred percent don't believe in that. So it gives I you, you. It like gives no, a shit what it, I do on a day to day. There is no possible way that that's true is the way I feel. So yes, I follow you know, what you're in saying. a universe. that's as massive as this one is. <laughs> exactly. And that is like, you know, this is like, and this is no, no sense. This, that I can, it's anytime the discussion gets to God, that's where I wind up going is like the universe is really big. You guys. <laughs> right. And then, but so like I said, so going back to the thing of like sure. willingness to believe, and yeah. live by spiritual principles gotcha. and that's like and that's good and that's, that's good. And yeah it's always worked for me so what, what you said you want you needed to ask me something what are you oh no ask so me? i just so i actually so i know i'm, I'm just curious just for my general curiosity so okay. i know that you had this situation where the mother of your kids passed oh, away yeah and i just wondered like um and i've just known that like kind of vaguely through like i think my dad mentioned to me sure. or something like that sure. and so just what was the deal with that and how and how is that raising kids like that? Uh, I. That's interesting you bring that up because I, I I haven't been talking about that directly with this podcast yet because I kind of it's a heavy it's a heavy topic right um, and I'm not clear on how I want to address it through the podcast only because I'm concerned about um, making it about me right I guess is is the way to look at that but um. It's been the defining thing of my life for the last, uh, oh my God, today's the day. Are you serious? Yeah. Seven years ago. Holy shit. I didn't put that together. Um, wow. But it's been the defining uh, aspect of my life, right, to... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, carry those kids right through this right like i i uh sorry i lost myself there for a second no, I apologize. I mean, um I, it was it was uh, indescribably difficult right like mm-hmm. holding the holding the shit together for them and and okay to 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 to, to take it on my side the fact that I was what just over just over three years sober when it happened like I I felt like that was going back to the like the impossibility of a god actually giving a shit my my spiritual notion is like when I'm in tune with the universe things roll out like in a more graceful way and and this is an aspect of that like I was in a state where I was prepared to be there and mm-hmm. be a solid person when, when the people in my life needed me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, e- even her in that moment, like part of the whole story, I, I genuinely believed that she was going to come through and, and as a collective, I mean, we were separated or we were divorced at that point, but mm-hmm. I, you know, we had kids together and we were never not going to be in each other's lives. And, right. and I knew, I knew, in my core that she was going to come through and we were all going to be better off. And then she didn't come through, but I was still there for them. And, you know, I, I, I do need to put it all down in some way or another, but you know, just moments stick out to me of like, 
because that that first month was just a whirlwind and like that first week i have like very clear memories of like trying to juggle this trauma and figure out what to do with these children i mean my 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 oldest kid was 12 Mm -hmm. right and uh watching the three of them care for each other in it Mm -hmm. it's like i can't describe how powerful that felt like Mm -hmm. these three little creatures who don't even have any idea what the heck just happened really other than like their mom's gone right and uh i don't know man it It, it has, like I've said, it, it, it has been the definition, not definition, it's been like my guiding principle. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel it, it's been seven years and they're, they, they have all reached a point where like, we don't, we don't sit around and talk about it. We don't like, they don't fixate on it. They, they still have, I see them all grieving in their own personal mm-hmm. ways and dealing with things on their own. And, and when I try and bring it up at this point, you know, even if it's soft and polite, they're still just like, yeah, we don't need to like, they're going to have to go through their own therapy. They're going to have to go through their own Mm -hmm. experiences, but I can already feel the difference in them that like they're doing well, right? Like they all seem like they're doing well. And it's funny because in the middle of it all, I had to set myself aside. Right. Right. And I, I tried, I (laughs) I have this clear memory of, starting to cry along with them and my oldest was like don't don't do that like you you have to hold it like she didn't say all this she was just like don't <laughs> right <laughs> but, but i took that as like right i gotta hold my shit together for them and right. so watching them now grow up and do better and do better start you know seeming like th- it doesn't define them right mm-hmm. like they they right. have moved forward that's the one of the benefits of our brains right like we forget shit so they're doing better just out of time and in distance and i'm not i haven't i i'm aware of the last couple of years that i've never really thoroughly grieved it right, right. like and when, when i sit to think about it i don't even know what to think of it mm-hmm. so maybe that's part of this too man i don't i don't know right, right. like well you know it's funny you say that because um i was you know when I came, when I got done, one of the people, one of the parole commissioners asked me, they said, well, so what's the one thing you would say to somebody who you're in your situation or getting out, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I said to him, I said, well, and I, and I actually thought about, I've been thinking about this because I read that, I read that story with Brian Rapino, and mm-hmm. I was like, I actually want to write this guy a letter and say, dude, and there's some things that you're doing that are pretty great, and like, here's, here's the advice that I would give to you. And, um, He's and the one thing that I that I said to them is I said, you know, really is the people who I think who make it and who don't make it are people who say from this point forward, I'm going to be I'm going to show up and be in for service for other people around me. Yeah. And I think and and not just because a lot of people hide out in different 12 step groups and stuff like that. And like but like in every aspect of your life to say, I'm showing up for this. Yeah. And um, it sounds like that's really what you were able to do there and that's probably the most i'm sure that that's in 20 years you'll probably feel better about that than you will about anything else you've done in your life i think you're right i and that's that's interesting you say that because that that being ready and being being showing up for other people that 
ties directly in with my sense of spirituality right is like because like i said i i felt there was no question of what i needed to do and i just did it and and i knew like six months prior like i couldn't have even even six months before that i wouldn't have been in the right emotional state right, right. like so yeah that's a good question damn it <laughs> well, but i think that, but i think that that's actually really great because it's like i mean one thing that you know a lot of my a lot of my life even sober i'm a hot mess you know sure. like, like i just like you know it's like i think about before i got married and like you know like just like disastrous with money disastrous sure. with like you know uh you know with like sex and all the, sure. you know all you're this, living uh, you're living a life yeah and i feel like you know that it's like exacerbated people like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like sure i got you like there's just um and so <laughs> And so, but, but also, but no accepting that that's how I'm going to be, but also the moments that really matter, yeah. like showing up and yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah. And there have been, a, there have been some times that that's happened. And I got to say that, um, you know, it's one of those things where if you, at the times where I have been so, so miserable in my life, yeah, um, like I, I got married, I got married right like when I was 24, I got married the first time. Oh, I didn't woman. know that. Okay. A woman in the program, actually. Okay. And so she, um, and we ended up getting divorced because sure. um, I was homeless. And I relapsed over that, over that divorce. So I okay. stayed sober four years and relapsed over that. Okay. And um, not, it was like a couple weeks or whatever, and I got right back into it. But, um, and in the process, but in that time, if you would have asked me, like, mm. I was so in so much pain. I was just like, I mean, I want nothing more than to be married to that person right. for, for, just for us to get back together. And, right. so, and at the time, and I was just like, and if I could have like been granted, if that, you know, <laughs> a do over, no, no. If, if that God that existed, who would like grant wishes, right. <laughs> had been there. I would have said, put me back, right. make her be married to me again. And I look back on that. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted in that situation. And, like, yeah. and there've been like probably like five or 10 instances where I like, yeah. really was attached to and wanted something so badly. Sure. And I get a few years past it and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted then. Right. You know? And I think that's probably, you know, I'm sure that's been your experience too, is yeah. that you look back at the things that were really, really tough and you're like, God, if I could have controlled the outcome of things here, here yeah. it'd been so much worse for everybody. Sure. Yeah. That's a good thing to end on, I think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Gabe, I am so glad that that went well for you, especially because we had scheduled this, and if it had gone sideways, I'd feel really bad. <laughs> but you know what? If it had gone sideways, it would have been, like, good. It would have been, too. Yeah, it, you're right. It would have been good. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Have a good afternoon. You, too. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. This has been the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed today's conversation, and I, and I hope you guys did, too. It was... Um, it was all of these conversations wind up being more than I expected. So I don't know why I keep saying it, but it was more than I expected. And, and it was moving and touching. And uh, yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any comments or suggestions or just feedback, or you just want to say hi, you can, you can look me up on Facebook or you can reach out on the contact us link on the eavesdrop podcast network uh, website. But uh yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you guys listening and, and, and I love each and every one of you and especially those of you out there struggling to work through your own uh, issues and, and improve your condition as you spend the little bit of time that we get on this earth. Um, 
So yeah, thanks again for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll wake up when I'm sober, which will probably